What is up, everybody? It is Thursday night, and I'm coming at you with an episode in the middle of the week, which I know is crazy, but I planned on doing an episode this week. I wanted to do something kind of fun. We're going to be going into a weekend where we have some guests on, and I kind of just wanted to get some one-on-one time with you guys, which I hope is okay. If you're new, welcome to the show, The Takeaway. Um, so glad you're listening. And if you are a regular listener, thank you so much for the love and support. Guys, I'm excited about this topic because if you couldn't guess from the theme music, we're talking about baseball. That's right. We're going to talk about the origins of baseball. And you're probably wondering, how in the world did you come up with that? Well, let me tell you, I was sitting there looking at some scores. I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan, which you're going to figure that out, by the way, during this episode. I was looking at the score for the St. Louis Cardinals, even though it's spring training, and I was like, huh. Where, who, and why did someone come up with baseball? Where did it come from? Why is it a diamond? Why are the rules the way the rules are? And I thought, you know what? Instead of look up this information and keep it to myself, let's have a fun baseball podcast where I share it with you guys. So here you are. There's nothing you can do about it. We're going to talk about baseball. Uh, before we do that, I just want to let you guys know we are going through a crazy, crazy storm, thunderstorm right now. I barely made it home. So for everybody in the DFW area that is uh, within the sound of my voice, guys, I hope you're doing okay. Stay safe. Stay inside. Snuggle up. Get yourself a big blanket. Get a hot cup of coffee, chocolate, tea, whatever's your thing. And just stay safe. Um, If you're out on the road right now, please be safe for all the truck drivers. Um, I know it's crazy. I had some power lines that I was driving under go wacko. So I just wanted to let you guys know, be safe. I'm doing cool, but if you hear some brief pauses in the episode, I apologize in advance. I do have the Weather Channel on. You can't hear it, but I see it. So it might be me just focusing in on the weather, making sure we don't get a tornado watch. But now that that's out of the way, let's get into some baseball uh, talk. Now, so who invented baseball? Now, I looked this up, and I got a couple different sources. However... About 10 minutes into my reading, I realized what I was reading wasn't really true. So I'm going to share both the true part and the non-true part with you guys, just so everybody's on the same page. So according to History.com, who invented baseball was a Civil War hero named Abner Doubleday. He is often credited with developing the game in 1839, but the real history is older and more complicated. You may have heard that a young man named Abner Doubleday invented the game known as baseball in Cooperstown, New York, during the summer of 1839. Doubleday then went on to become a Civil War hero while baseball became America's beloved national pastime. Not only is the story untrue, it's not even in the ballpark. Did you like that pun? Baseball's real origins date back way farther to at least the 18th century. So who was Abner Doubleday? Doubleday was born into a prominent family in upstate New York in 1819 and was still at West Point in 1839, and he never claimed to have anything to do with baseball. Instead, he served as a Union Major General in the American Civil War and later became a lawyer and a writer. In 1907, 16 years after Doubleday's death, a special commission created by the sporting goods magnate and former Major League player A.J. Spaulding was set up to determine baseball's origins, namely if it was invented in the United States or derived from the games in the United Kingdom. The commission used flimsy evidence, the claims of one man, mining engineer Abner Graves, who said he went to school with Doubleday to come up with the origin story which managed to stick. Well, that just blew my mind. 
Uh, Cooperstown businessmen and major league officials seized on this enduring power in the 1930s when they established the National Baseball Hall of Fame Museum in the village. So what are baseball's real ordinance? You heard the not true version. What are they? As it turns out, the real history of baseball is a little bit more complicated than Doubleday's legend. References to games resembling baseball in the United States date back to the 18th century. Its most direct ancestors appear to be two English games, Rounders, a child's game brought to New England by the earliest colonists, and Cricket. You know, the game in India where they use the paddle, they dress up in armor. Yeah. By the time of the American Revolution, variations of such games were being played on schoolyards and college campuses across the country. They became even more popular in newly industrialized cities where men sought to work in the mid-19th century. In September of 1845, a group of New York City men founded the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club. One of them, volunteer firefighter and bank clerk Alexandra Joy Cartwright, would codify a new set of rules that would form the basis for the modern baseball, calling for a diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and three-strike rule. He also abolished the dangerous practice of tagging runners by throwing balls at them. That's very good he did that because the last thing I want is someone throwing a ball at me when I'm trying to slide into home plate. Don't do that please. Cartwright's changes made the burgeoning pastime faster paced and more challenging while clearly differentiating it from the older games like cricket. In 1846, the Knickerbockers played the first official game of baseball against a team of cricket players beginning a new uniquely American tradition. I would have loved to have been to that game. That sounds absolutely awesome. So, Let's go into the top 10 baseball rules. So now you know the origins. There's so many rules about the game. I don't even know all the rules. I know the basic. But there's some of these rules I didn't even know about. So we're going to go into the top 10 rules of baseball. So what are the most important baseball rules? Number one, uncalled, uncaught third strike. So I don't know what that is. Number two, tie goes to the runner. Number three, infield fly rules. So let's dig deeper into the infield fly rule because I didn't know what that was. The infield fly is a shallow fair fly ball that can be caught by an infielder with regular effort. Infield flies are not line drives or bunts. Base runners can advance, but they must tag up if the ball is caught by a fielder. Infielders are not allowed to purposely drop the ball with the intent of getting a runner out on base. So... Uh, number four, balk. I didn't know what this one is. A balk is an illegal move made by or related to the pitcher. Balks result in a dead ball and all base runners, not including the batter, advancing one base. Balks are only called when there are one or more runners on base. Otherwise, an illegal move by the pitcher would only result in a ball. Automatic strike. Pinch hitter. Pinch runner. Tagging up. Ambidextrous pitcher rule. Number nine, video replay review, and number 10, ground rule double. So, the uncaught third strike. Now, that I think that's the one I said. I didn't know what that was. The uncaught third strike, sometimes called the dropped third strike, is a rule in baseball involving the catcher. If the catcher fails to make a clean catch on a pitch, that is recorded third strike. The batter swung and missed the ball, or the ball was in the strike zone, and the ball touches the ground. The runner may run to the first, so long as there's no base runner already there. 
the batter must be either tagged out or forced out by the throw to first base. So I'm not going to go too deep into the rules because there's some other stuff I want to cover. But as you can see, there are so many rules to this game. And it's actually really interesting. When we just watch baseball, we think, okay, three strikes, you're out. You catch it, you're out. Home run, a grand slam, a single, a double, a triple. You know, a, we hit uh, a solo home run, a two-run home run, and then the obviously the three full bases loaded is a grand slam. There's so many other rules to it, and I thought it was so interesting that when I saw that, um, I just had to share that. So let's get into the 10 greatest baseball players of all time. Number 10, Roger Clemens. Over the course of his illustration – Illustratious 24 career, Roger Clemens amassed a record seven Cy Young Awards as the best pitcher of the year in either the American or National League and threw 4,672 strikeouts, the third of all most time. That's pretty good. Number nine, Honus Wagner. A number of modern fans probably know Honus Wagner as the subject of the most valuable baseball uh, card uh, most valuable baseball card in history, the rare 1909-11 T206 Wagner card that was produced by the American Tobacco Company. The scarcity of the card is the big reason why it can fetch up upwards of $2 million. If you have that card, don't tell anybody. Keep it. And if you pawn it off, don't tell anybody where you got the money. So, uh, he was nicknamed the Flying Dutchman. They let that led the National League in batting average eight times over the course of his career. It retired with a stellar .328 average, despite having played during the offense-killing dead ball era. At the time of his retirement in 1970, he had tailed the second most hits, 30,420 doubles, 643 triples, and 252 runs batted in, 1,732 in Major League history, and all these total still rank him on the top 25 of all time. Number eight, Stan Musial. Quite possibly the greatest person on this list is Stan the Man, was historically a good baseball player as well modeled citizen. The beloved St. Louis icon, go Cardinals, played his entire 22 seasons career with the city's Cardinals franchise and is inextricably linked with his town as an athlete has ever been. He led the Cardinals to three World Series titles while racking up just as many MVP awards and amassing a lifetime of a .331 batting average. Number seven, Ty Cobb. Greatest humanity drop-off in the list item history. If Musial was a fairy tale prince when it came to comportment, Ty Cobb was the evil troll under the bridge, chucking boulders at passing children. Well, that's a way to describe someone. An unrepentant racist who routinely sharpened his spikes to maximize potential injury to opponents on hard slides and once fought a fan in the stand. Uh, we're going to stop there and go forward. I don't like this guy. Walter Johnson. The flamethrowing Walter Johnson was a generational talent who defined dominant pitching for decades. He was so great that he led the AL in strikeouts more often than not, topping the league 12 times over the course of his 21-year career. Pitching his entire professional life for the Washington Senators, Big Train threw over 110 career complete game shutouts, still the most in any major league history, and a record that will never be broken. Number five, Hank Aaron. 
As the owner of the title Home Run King for a generation, Hank Aaron is often thought of as a simply a tremendous power hitter, albeit arguably one of the best ever. However, his 755 career homers, a record for 30 years, 33 years, are just the tip of the iceberg for hammering Hank. His all-time best with 2,297 runs batted in and 6,856 total bases are, of course, indicative of his legendary power. But he also put up a solid career at .305 batting average and won three Golden Gloves for his play in the outfield. Wow! Three Golden Gloves, guys! The consistently great Aaron was selected to the All-Star Game 21 straight years and hit at least 30 home runs in 15 seasons. Number four, Ted Williams, has long been called the greatest pure hitter who ever lived. His .48 time lifetime on base percentage is the highest of all time, and he ranks in the top 20 in total runs scored, home runs, runs batted in, and walks despite having missed almost five full seasons of his prime to military service. Thank you for your service, Ted. Number three, a household name we all know, Barry Bonds. Yeah, he was cantankerous, preening, and almost surely a steroid user. Not exactly the kind of guy who should get the benefit of the doubt and earn spot number three. But Barry Bonds is, in the many eyes of baseball fans, the poster boy for the steroid era. And it's supposed illegitimacy. But, well, he was already a surefire horror of famer before he allegedly began juicing. And steroids would have no effect on the unparalleled and eye-hand coordination that produced an all-time high career of 2,558 career rocks and staggering of .44 lifetime on base percentage. And that's the thing about steroids. You can never definitely say exactly what impact they have on a baseball player's performance. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but not really. Number two, Willie Mays. Unlike his godson, Bonds, whose father, Billy, was Willie Mays' teammate from 1968 to 1972, Mays needs to be subjected to no mental gymnastics to justify his place on the list. Not only did Mays rack up astounding totals at the plate, including 3,283 hits, 660 home runs, and 1,903 run batted in, but his outstanding play in the outfield produced 12 consecutive Gold Glove Awards from 1957 to 1968 and led many observers to call him the greatest all-around player the game has ever seen. In fact, the most iconic moment in May's career and one of the most iconic in baseball history came on defense. His over-the-shoulder catch at the warning track in the eighth inning of a tied 1954 World Series game that helped the New York Giants win that contest and eventually the championship. Man, I love that. I love a good, sweaty palm, edge of your seat, stressed, totally at the edge of your emotional state kind of story. And that's what that was. And number one, as we all know, from the Sandlot, the big band Beano, Babe Ruth, the man himself. A no-brainer. Yeah, he played among an artificially limited talent pool before Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in 1947 and decades before advanced training regimens produced athletes who look like, well, athletes. But Ruth was such a historical talent that he transcends these qualifiers. In fact, his arrival in the major leagues was so seismic, seismic that it marked the end of the dead ball era. When he joined the majors in 1914, the all-time record for home runs in season was 27. Within seven years, he had more than doubled it with 59 and eventually produced a personal high 60 dingers in 1927. 
All told, he led the AL in home runs 12 times. He was such a prodigious power hitter that his astounding .690 career slugging percentage remains the best of all time, and the gap between his mark and second place is larger than the one between second place and ninth. Oh, and he was also a great pitcher during his early years. A great pitcher leading the AL with a 1.75 ERA in 1921 and pitching 29 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings across two World Series. Boom. If you want to see all this, it's uh, from the article Britannica, 10 greatest baseball players. That's where I got it. So now that I told you all the great baseball team baseball players, I think it's time for me to list all the player, all the teams, baseball teams in the MLB, breaking it down by their division and by their league. So for the National League, the East uh, Division, we have the Atlanta Braves, Miami Marlins, New York Mets, Philadelphia Phillies, and Washington Nationals. In the Central, we have Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Reds, Milwaukee Brewers, Pittsburgh Pirates, and the one and only St. Louis Cardinals. In the West, we have Arizona Diamondbacks, Colorado Rockies, Los Angeles Dodgers, San Diego Padres, and the San Francisco Giants. In the American League East, we have Baltimore Orioles, Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, Tampa Bay Rays, Toronto Blue Jays. In the Central, we have Chicago White Sox, Cleveland Guardians, who are now known as the Cleveland Indians, Detroit Tigers, Kansas City Royals, and Minnesota Twins. In the West, we have the Houston Astros, Los Angeles Angels, Oakland Athletics, Seattle Mariners, and Texas Rangers. Fun facts about the ML teams. I'll only read a few of these. The Boston Americans beat the Pittsburgh Pirates in the first World Series 5-3. The New York Yankees have won the world, most World Series with 27. This is more than twice as many as the next closest team. The first All-Star game with players from both leagues was in 1933. Now, I want to break down something about the St. Louis Cardinals. That's right. You're going to hear a little bit of it. You just have to. So I'm going to start off talking about the team, and then I'm going to talk about the Bush Stadium facts because i got to mention something to you guys. I've had a lot of pizza. I've eaten a lot of pizza. You can ask my wife. I love pizza. Buffalo chicken with jalapenos. Mwah. But. I have never eaten the most angelic, amazing, craved pizza as I did in Bush Stadium at a St. Louis Cardinals game. Wow. I talk about this pizza to everybody. Anytime pizza comes around the topics, I say, yeah, you've had pizza, but I've had St. Louis Cardinal Bush Stadium pizza. Because if you eat that pizza, your life will never be the same. And my life has never been the same, guys. So if you find yourself at Bush Stadium at a really good baseball game, cheering for the really good baseball team, because there's only one of them, the St. Louis Cardinals, grab yourself a slice of pizza. You won't regret it. So, the St. Louis Cardinals' team colors are red, blue, white. Team formed in 1875, and the original team name, which I didn't know this, was the Browns. And then they changed it to the Perfectors, then the Cardinals. So, I'm going to break down the World Series wins and who they won and how they won against them when it comes to out of seven, out of, you know, just that kind of era. I won't break down every play-by-play. But... 
World Series wins, 1866 against the White Sox. Total of six games. Sox two and four. Cards four and two. In 1926, St. Louis Cardinals went over the New York Yankees, four games to three. In 1931, they beat the Philadelphia Athletics in a seven-game match, four and three. Athletics time, Phil had, Philly had won two at the time. I'm sorry, I can't read my notes. Philadelphia had won two previous championships. 1934, they won over the Detroit Tigers over seven games. Gashouse Gang, nicknamed for the Cardinals, won for the third championship in eight years. In 1942, St. Louis won against the New York Yankees, winning in a five-game uh, lead. 1944, St. Louis Cardinals versus the St. Louis Browns at Sportsman Park, third time in the World Series history, which both teams had same home field, others being in 1921 and 1922 in New York. The St. Louis Cardinals won in six games, 4-2. to two. 1946, St. Louis versus Boston Red Sox. This was the Red Sox' first appearance in the World Series since their championship in 1918. And, of course, the Cardinals won in seven games. In 1964, St. Louis won their seventh World Championship against the New York Yankees. The Yankees went play again in the World Series until 1976. 1967, the St. Louis played St. Louis Cardinals played Boston Red Sox again and won in seven games. It was the first World Series since 1948 that did not feature Yankees, Dodgers, or the Giants. In 1982, the 79th edition of the World Series played Milwaukee Brewers and Cardinals won four games to three. In 2006, they played the Detroit Tigers again and won the series in five games, and it was their 10th World Series championship win, third meeting with the Tigers in World Series. The Cardinals won in 1934, and Tigers won in second round in 1968, and each went a full seven games. In 2011, I know this game so well, they defeated the Texas Rangers, and let me tell you something, how the Rangers almost had it. Elvis Andrews was the shortstop. It was literally 3-1, to one, Rangers. There was two men on base. It was the bottom of the ninth. The Rangers were pitching, or the top of the ninth, actually. I'm sorry, because I believe it was the home field uh, at home at Texas. Literally two outs. Bat- batter up, hits a ball over to the shortstop, Elvis Andrews. Instead of just tossing it over second, tagging the guy, calling it out, taking home a win, they throw it all the way to the first baseman, and guess what? Not in time. So that resulted in a Cardinals championship. Number five, Albert Pujols became one in four players in history with at least 700 home runs on September 23rd. He hit number 699 and 700 against the L.A. Dodgers. I had to throw that in there because Albert Pujols is my favorite player. So, Bush Stadium facts. Groundbreaking in January 17, 2004. The grass was installed March 15, 2006. And the inaugural game was April 10, 2006. And the opponent was Milwaukee Brewers. Ceremonial pitches, Chris Carpenter and Albert Pujols to Bob Gibson and Willie McGee. The first pitch was at 3.14 p.m. Ball, Mark Mulder to Brady Clark. Cardinals hit David Eckstein in second inning, April 10, 2006. The Cardinals' first home run was Albert Pujols, the man himself, third inning, April 10, 2006. 
The Cardinals were founded in 1882 as an American Associates team called the St. Louis Brown Stockings. In 1883, the team changed its name to the St. Louis Browns. In 1892, the team moved to the National League, and in 1899, the name was changed to the Perfectos, and in 1900, the team became the St. Louis Cardinals. The 2018 season is the Cardinals' 127th season of play in the National League. Well, guys, that's baseball, and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you uh, liked it, and for all my baseball fans out there, we're going to have a great season no matter what team you cheer for. Go to a ball game. Take your kids to a ball game. I'm telling you, there's nothing more therapeutical and just absolutely amazing. Getting around baseball fans is awesome. I went to a Cardinals game. I've been to numerous Ranger games. I love baseball fans. They seem to be always positive, always energetic, of course, because they're cheering on their team. So, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you so much for listening. You can find uh, me on The Takeaway on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Takeaway 2023. And you can also follow on here on Spotify, Anchor, and basically every other platform that has podcasts. And I wanted to let you guys know, this Saturday, my best friend Nicholas Moon is going to be a guest on the show. I'm so excited. We're going to have so much fun. It's going to be a lot of energy. We're going to have some laughs, serious laughs, great storytelling, and we're going to talk about some serious topics too. And next week, uh, get ready because I will have another guest on the show, I believe. Yes. So next week, I'm going to have another guest on the show on the 13th. So you won't see an episode on Sunday. There will be an episode on Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to have a guest on the show, Caleb Crocker, and I can't wait to get to chat with him and talk to him about his uh, uh, expertise in the theater field. But after that, I don't really have anything else to say. Guys, like I said, the DFW area, be safe driving. If you're at home, awesome. Stay there. Be safe during the storm. It's crazy. I want everybody safe and sound. Thank you again for all the love and support on the show. It's been so amazing. And I just want to have fun with you guys. I want to have fun learning. And we're going to get back to some serious topics the next couple of weeks. But I thought we'd give ourselves a little bit of a break and learn something new and learn something that's fun and universally loved by most people. Baseball. But that's going to wrap it up for tonight. I hope you had fun. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to rate, like, and follow. It does help immensely. I love you guys. Have a great week, and I will see you on Saturday.